The first time is Chirp's live lit and music event held quarterly at Martyrs in North Center. The night's theme was First Fling. We've got Ellen Mayer. She's a writer, podcaster, and performer. She's done stuff for WBEZ Curious City, but my favorite is she is one of the two people who do the Girl I Guess Progressive Voters Guide. Thanks to her, we have four DSA members on the Chicago City Council and a bunch of other progressive judges. This is like a key thing. I was like, dude, normies are using this guy, dude. Like, it's a thing. Um, You should give her money (laughs) and uh, also make her do this next year because it's really important. When I met my alderman, Andre Vasquez, I was like, what are you going to do in the two to three years before you're completely corrupted by Chicago Chicago politics. Told him about this show. He used to be a rapper, DSA member. He's now elected to the city council slash alderman, thanks to Ellen Mayer. Guys, give it up, Ellen Mayer. You guys, I stepped out the, my door today to come here, and I was kind of hit by this wall of heat, and like the air felt kind of heavy, but there was also like a bit of a breeze, and, and it kind of, you know, you get like this like prickle on your skin, and you start to feel kind of juicy, and I was just like driving up here, like really feeling myself, and I don't know if you guys get that feeling when like the summer heat comes out, but I want you to try to imagine as I'm telling this story that that's what you're feeling, okay? That's, that's the setting exactly tonight, like three hours ago, that, that's what we're going for. Uh, in the summer of 2013, I decided I wanted to have sex, and I wanted to do it now. (laughs) My mother had taught me that you have to wait till marriage, but once I got to college, I thought, well, maybe I'll wait until I'm engaged, (laughs) or, you know, maybe till I just meet someone I really love. Uh, But now I was 21, which felt at the time incredibly grown, and I was home in Brooklyn for the summer, and it was hot, and I was horny, and I was ready for a summer fling. The only problem is that up until then, I didn't have a great track record with men. I could count on one hand the number of boys I had kissed. I was insecure and terrified of rejection and basically incapable of flirting or making a move. You know, my friends would be like, put yourself out there. And I was like, is that hell? Like, what is, what's that? (laughs) Um, But the summer that I was 21 in New York City, everything felt a little bit like a movie. And I was trying out my role as a confident, sexy young woman, and I thought that I could fake it until I made it. So I went out in all black and chunky heels, and I smoked cigarettes on rooftop bars, and I tried to kind of arrange my body in ways that I hoped kind of looked insouciant (laughs) and alluring. And every few weeks, I went dancing at Bowl Train, which was DJ Questlove's weekly residency at Brooklyn Bowl, yeah. And I met a cute boy there with outrageous dimples. And one day, he texted me a poem he wrote, and I texted one back, about feeling like a peach that was ripe to bursting. He responded, down to pluck. I thought I had found my summer fling, but I hadn't. 
We had a stiff movie date at which I lost all ability to fake my grown woman confidence, and I went home alone. It was around midnight, and I was waiting for the Q train in Union Square, feeling extremely stupid. I was stupid for imagining that he wanted me. I was stupid for being awkward on that date. And I was definitely stupid for shaving my asshole in a fit of panic the night before. <laughs> my life no longer felt like a movie. It really happened. Uh, <laughs> My life no longer felt like a movie. I was not a cool and confident New York City woman. I was a silly kid and a hopeless virgin. So I did what I usually do when I'm feeling emo. I put on my headphones and started listening to Exile in Guyville by Liz Fair. I closed my eyes and I tilted my head up and I started swaying to the music. And at this moment, a very attractive man walked down the stairs and leaned his back against one of those yellow steel columns in the subway. I noticed that he was looking at me, and I sat down on the bench so I could check him out from the corner of my eye. He had dirty blonde hair and an athletic body, and he was dressed in what could best be described as skater boy business casual. <laughs> Van sneakers, a blue button-down, untucked, and khaki pants that were just tight enough to show the shape of his thighs. He had a skateboard leaning against his leg. He looked perfect. And he kept looking at me. Eventually, he walked over and sat down next to me on the bench, but he didn't say anything. He just pulled out a styrofoam container of Chinese food and started to eat. <laughs> I sat there rehearsing different conversation starters in my head, but I couldn't make the words come out. And the longer I waited, the more I was sure I missed my moment. The Q train finally came and we got on the same car. I sat down with my headphones on and he leaned against the subway door. We kept exchanging glances. We passed Canal Street and went over the Brooklyn Bridge. We passed DeKalb and then finally, he walked across the subway car to ask me a question. I took my headphones off and he asked it again. I noticed on the platform that you were getting really into your music and I was just wondering what you were listening to. I told him it was Fucking Run by Liz Fair and I watched through the windows behind him as the train pulled out of Atlantic Avenue. I was getting off at the next stop and a voice in my head said, it's too late. He started telling me that he had actually just been reading about that album in Rolling Stone's list of the top 100 albums of all time. And I smiled and said, this is my stop. And I walked off the train. I knew I was an idiot as soon as the doors closed behind me. I should have stayed on the train a stop longer and given him my number. I should have gone home with him. He could have been my summer fling. And it would have been like something out of a movie. But then I went back to Boston for my final year of college and I promptly started sleeping with my college crush, a lanky Jewish boy who worked with me at our campus radio station and who seemed, at the time, impossibly cool. I was elated, but he was an indifferent lover at best, the kind who went through the motions, oral, missionary, doggy, repeat, <laughs> but never really seemed excited to be there, and he never made me come. I did know that sex was supposed to be better than this, but I didn't know how to ask for more. 
and I was in love with him. I completely forgot about that stranger on the subway until six months later. I was home for winter break, and I saw him on the street. We made eye contact as we passed each other, and I did a double take. When I looked back, he was looking too. But then we kept walking. That next summer, I graduated college and moved to Chicago. But I came home for a visit in August, almost exactly a year after we met, and I went back to Bull Train. I was wearing my chunky heels and a slinky black dress, and Questlove was playing Michael Jackson all night. I saw him in the crowd as soon as we walked in. My friend insisted I had to go talk to him, but the idea of crossing the dance floor and tapping his shoulder in front of all of his friends was terrifying. I couldn't bring myself to make a move. I had lost him in the crowd when we decided to take a water break, but right as we got to the edge of the dance floor, I walked straight into him. And once we were face to face, I suddenly transformed into the ideal, sexy, confident version of myself. It was like I had walked into a movie, I was, in the protect I was the protagonist, I was in control, and everything was going to go exactly, perfectly, as I wanted. I stuck my finger in his chest and said, didn't I meet you on the subway once? He said, yes, I was just going to look for you. Small city, I said. Should we get a drink? I learned that his name was Will. He did sound design for movies and TV, and he played the drums in a band, which is, you know, perfect. <laughs> we took a shot of tequila, and he led me out on the dance floor, and eventually, he invited me back to his place. With my usual inhibitions gone, the only obstacle at this point was my mother. I turned to Will and said, I'm about to do something you've probably never seen a grown woman do before. I called my mom, and I told her I was sleeping over at my friend Kelly's house. <laughs> then I hung up the phone, and I lay down in his bed. It wasn't my first time having sex but it was my first time having really good sex. It was my first time trying a litany of extremely fun positions and sex acts. It was my first time with a partner who was really excited about me, who made me feel like the sexiest woman alive, who made eye contact and didn't look away. And then there were the things that you don't usually see in the movies. The way he put on the condom without being asked, the way he put my pleasure way before his own, the way he asked for consent, not once, not twice, but every time we tried something new, and it never stopped being sexy and exciting. He told me to leave a note in the morning with my number, and I did, but he never used it. And honestly, I think it's for the best. If we had stayed in touch, maybe I'd lose the movie magic. Maybe I'd find out that he was actually insufferable like most men who think that the rock jocks at Rolling Stone are good authorities on the top 100 albums of all time. <laughs> but the movie plot ended right when it was still good. And in my head, he is still perfect. He sets the bar for every sexual partner I've had since. And he reminds me of a time when I propelled my own plot forward instead of waiting hopelessly for somebody else to make a move. Thank you.
You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.